Well, good morning as we gather on this Tuesday in the third week of Ordinary Time, this feast of Timothy and Titus. We have beautifully so two alternate uh, reading sets for today, one for the ordinary day, or, or I should say Tuesday of third week of Ordinary Time, and then celebrating the great feast of these two saints. And both of those gospel narratives, the first from Ordinary Time, acknowledging who is a brother or sister of Christ, he that follows him, and in this reading from Luke, this dispensing of the 72, how they are sent to carry the word of God into the, into the people, unto the people, that they may know the truth. There's a common theme of fraternity and solidarity in the faith, this, this sibling relationship that develops in our adoption of the truth of Christ and how we are united in a very intimate way with one another as that church. In fact, both readings speak of the institutional church coming into existence in the very early days of our faith, immediately upon Christ's ascension and the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Prior to that, the institutional church is established. Timothy and Titus actually become bishops. They are known as bishops in the church from the very early days. 30 years ago, novelist and historian Stephen Ambrose penned a novel he gave it the title The Band of Brothers, and he was a, a narrative historian. So what he does so well, as many others do that, Shelby Foote's another great author who does that, is they weave a story, a narrative, but it's based on historical fact. So Ambrose's novel, Band of Brothers, was based on the story of a unit of men. They were the easy company of 2nd Battalion of the 506th Parachute Regiment of the 101st Airborne Division. A lot of numbers there. But it was a real group of men, and he followed their lives from their landings in Normandy, although in June of 1944, through the capitulation of Germany in the following May. And he follows their lives, and because he wrote this 30 years ago, he was able to interview many of the men or their spouses or family members who were still alive at that time, 30 years since, it's not the case. But at that time they were. And then in 2001, famed filmmaker Ken Burns made that into a miniseries that runs in many episodes and you can still enjoy that today in various venues. It's a beautiful telling of true history. I'm sure using the uh, license of of uh, cinema, they have augmented it in different ways. But these, re these are real people that really lived, as were Titus and as were Timothy, real people that really lived. Paul meets them in his first missionary journey. Timothy, as we know from history, living in, in the village of Lystra, it's actually a larger town at that time. And he's educated in the faith from his mother Eunice and Lois. You just heard that told. He, he's, he, was, he was taught scripture in the Jewish tradition early in life. Titus is not. Titus is a pagan. Luke is a travel companion of Paul as well. So Luke, who gives us his beautiful gospel, this sending of the 72, is taking from that today, and gives us the beautiful work in Acts, gives us a lot of historical truth, like Stephen Ambrose did, talking about the Second World War. Luke is giving us fact history about the early church. And Titus and Timothy are featured in the book of Acts in a great prominent way as early leaders in the church. And then Paul writes to them very beautiful letters. In fact, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Paul's second letter to Timothy, there are two, 
is possibly the last writing of Paul just prior to his death. He's executed in Rome, and Timothy is very dear to him. He's been mentoring Timothy now for many years. And in 2 Timothy, if you want to, if you want to read something beautiful where an older man is passing his last wisdom he can on to a younger man, that's 2 Timothy. And you can imagine Paul penning that beautiful work just prior to his execution. But we have the establishment of the institutional church, and in that is this fraternity born of the faith. So baptized into the faith, we are called by name, and there's a unity among us as Catholics and Christians that's unique in the world. We are joined. We are now the living body of Christ through our spiritual adoption into the family of God. We're united in a way that is beyond uh, traditional family bonds, if you will. The men of the second battalion, the Easy Company, were very intensely united to one another because they shared a common experience. That's true today for many who work in various professions, whether it's in firefighting or police work, various, various officialdom of that. Our medical teams out at Kootenai, I'm there usually once a week to, to visit various people, and I see this fraternity, and I mean that in both gender, male and female, this fraternity exists among those people who are so dedicated to a cause that's far beyond the importance of their personal life. There's something special about that. When you are involved in a cause that's bigger than you, it changes who you are. It unites you to something that's very significant. And you gain, perhaps in your subconsciousness, this confidence that your life mattered. Many wander through life and have that uncertainty. Does it even matter that I live? But when you're connected to something that's bigger than you and that really matters to the world, there's this subconscious confidence and peace because your life matters only in the context of that cause, but you're part of that cause. That's the 72 today, isn't it? These men were sent to preach the kingdom to Palestine, to then, as we know it now, to be the Holy Land, but then Israel and Judah. They were sent to preach that kingdom preach that good news, and to heal, and to bring sustenance, not to be overly concerned with their daily provision. You heard Deacon Andy read that. Don't carry a lot of provisions. It, it doesn't say, load up a pack with 80 pounds of gear. It does not say that. It says, live basically. Carry the basics, because your focus is not here and now. Your focus is on the future. Your focus is on bringing this good news story to a world that so desperately needs it. So here we are today in 2021 at the start of a new century and at the start of a new decade within that century. We find ourselves as the Christian church in a similar, similar way. Stephen Ambrose chose the title from his book from a play by Shakespeare that was penned about 180 years after the event. In 1415, the English and the French fought a battle called Agincourt. It really happened. Henry V was then the king of England, and the English army was not a match to then the French nobility. The, the French army was equipped with uh, mounted knights who had advanced armor and lances, and against them was a small English army that were hungry and starving, 
Similar to Dunkirk in the Second World War, they had been pushed up to the coast of Calais, what is current day Calais, and they were surrounded and they were outnumbered. And what Henry had, most of his army were poor, illiterate, Welsh uh, foot, foot soldiers who had no armor. What they had was bows, they had long bows. And that day, the battle was fought on October 25th in 1415, really happened. And that is coincidentally the feast of St. Crispin. That day, as Shakespeare tells it in 1599, so advance in time now, Shakespeare's writing many, many, many decades after this battle, over a century later, but he gives voice to King Henry inspiring his troops on that feast of St. Crispin on October 25th in 1415. And it's from Shakespeare's poem that Stephen Ambrose took the title for his book. And this is what Shakespeare wrote. This day is called the Feast of St. Crispin. He that outlives this day and comes safe home will stand a tiptoe when this day is named and rouse him at the name of Crispin. He that shall live this day and see old age will yearly on the vigil feast of his neighbors and say, tomorrow is St. Crispin. Then he will strip his sleeve and show his scars and say, these wounds I had on Crispin's day. Old men forget, yet all shall be forgot. But he'll remember with advantages what feats he did that day. Then shall our names, familiar in his mouth as household words, Harry the King, Bedford and Exeter, Warwick, and Talbot, Salisbury, and Gloucester. These are the towns these men came from. Be in their flowing cups freshly remembered. This story shall be good man teach his son. And Crispin's Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world, but we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. Let me augment that today. We band of brothers and sisters. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother, be he ne'er so vile. This day shall gentle his condition, and gentlemen in England now abed shall think themselves accursed that they were not here, and hold their manhoods cheap while any speaks of those that fought with us on St. Crispin's Day. Isn't that beautiful? Because today, brothers and sisters, in the advent of a new century, we face a battle and a war that is not against French nobility. No, it's of evil design and origin. It's of evil design and origin. We face a world that is increasingly pagan and even more so hedonistic in its outliving of life. We face a world that dismisses Christianity as a triviality or as a farce. We face a world where there's so much hate and discord and destruction because it's of the evil one. He's in the world, we know that. And we, happy few, maybe dwindling in some areas of the world and growing in others, maybe declining in the east coast of the U.S. but growing in the west, here certainly in the, in the northern area of Idaho, we, happy few, stand together, united brothers and sisters in the faith. And we have a mission and a cause, which is through peace, to bring the peace of Christ 
out into our surrounding communities to stand firm in the faith, not our truth, the truth of Jesus Christ, but to be bold and confident. And that is what Paul was telling Titus and Timothy. Do not be weak. Stand forth. Live authentically in the faith, particularly to those called forth in ministry. Live authentically in the faith. Speak truth. Do it with compassion, but be not shy in speaking the truth. And we have a responsibility to live that out, live that out every day and stop making excuses for ourselves or for society or for our political leaders who do awful things. Who do awful things. In the first week of the new administration's existence, abortion laws have been expanded to make it even more available, and now that's become a U.S. export because the new administration has reinstituted funding for abortions overseas. Shame on the United States for that truth. Shame on the United States. And shame on any of us who think that's okay and make excuses about it by pointing to some other flaw in the country's character. It's unacceptable. And we need to stand forth in our faith, not only that tragedy, but any tragedy in our country, because there are many, not only that violation of rights, but all violation of rights. But we will not and shall not skip over that one to talk about something else. That has to be a principal focus for we as Christians, because we can't talk about some other denial of a right if the right to exist is first denied. We cannot do it. We go forth in faith. We go forth in humility, aware of our own flaws. But we go forth in compassion to bring the truth of Christ, like these 72, we also called by name and sent forth to bring that light out into the world. St. Titus and Timothy, pray for us.